Today I get to start, which I've been holding in my heart for nearly eight, nine months, to speak about prayer. And it was so hard to prepare this because there's so much to say. And I don't have all the time in the world. Unless you want to sit till two, three. Well, the power's going off at 12, apparently. Okay, is the power, power's going off again at 12? So we'll be out of here before then. Okay, and I won't keep you forever in a day. But this, this reality of prayer is going to be a journey that we are going to go on as a community that I guarantee you will bring life to your light. Light to your life. Life to your light. Well, it works both ways, actually. Yeah, it's good. Okay, and we're going to go on a journey of discovery when it comes to the things of prayer and what God wants to do with us as a community. I want to, I want to declare to you, gone are the days of boring prayer meetings. Okay? We've had many prayer meetings here, and only 20 or maybe 25 people arrive. Okay? And then what we do is, to kind of console ourselves and help us, when we know there should be a whole lot more people, but only five people arrive, we always use that verse, well, brother, where two or three are gathered. <laughs> there the Lord is in our midst. So we don't feel too bad about, why are we the only ones here? Where's everyone else? You see, and we've got a paradigm of prayer, which I'm telling you is going to get shattered over this next while. Because you, when you think of prayer, you think of a prayer meeting. And you're like, well, Frank, I can't make that prayer meeting or I've got to stand and I've got to wait and I'm not so sure what to pray. I'm just scared to pray out. I don't know what to say. Gone are the days. Gone are the days of boring prayer meetings. I've been in enough prayer meetings in my life where it doesn't actually feel like God even, there might have been seven of us, but it didn't feel he joined us because it was all selfish. It was all pointed at one thing. It had no life by what God was doing. We are going to go on a journey as a community. I'm going to open up that door a little bit today. And I'm going to start with the realities of answering why. Why prayer? Okay, because if you don't start with why, you will never have the conviction in your heart as to why you do it. If you don't have a conviction in your heart why you come to church and why you do this, if it's a duty-bound thing and not a delight, duty eventually wears thin and wears dry. And then COVID has proved in the last two years, there's many people that aren't back yet because it was a duty for them. They haven't caught the heart and the revelation of what it is to live for the church and, that, and what that actually means and what that looks like. It's not a thing you do on a Sunday. You are the church. Wherever you go, whatever you do. So if you're a terror to work with, you're not being a good example and testimony of the church during the week. That's where it goes. That's where you go as the church of the Almighty God. And we're going to answer why. Okay, next week we'll look into the how and the what, and get a bit more practical on how we will see this play out in our church community. So pray, why? Why pray? Well, unfortunately, when it comes to prayer, there's a lot of it where it's written in red letters, where Jesus was actually speaking. And where Jesus is speaking, we have to take note. Yes, all the word, we take note, and all the Bible, we take note. But when Jesus said key words, key things about prayer, we need to take notice. And the church has been on a journey for years and years and years. I believe this great reset that the Lord said was taking place over these next two years is He's bringing the church back to the foundations of what He's established His church to be. What we sit with today, like the reality of a, of a stage, of a worship band, of the pastor, didn't happen 2,000 years ago. Okay, there was none of that stuff. What we experience here in a very small way is we're worshiping together and someone brings a song, and then someone else brings another song, and we sing together. It's not just front-led. It's us coming together. And I really believe God is placed on us, but He's starting to unravel some of the things when it comes to finances, when it comes to hierarchical leadership. He's exposing all of that. Because that's not His heart for the church. It's not his heart. It's never was ever his intention to set it in place like that. And we're going to go over the years now journeying to unravel some of the key and core strengths of what the Lord has set in place. But so here are some of the verses where Jesus speaks, and he, and he speaks about prayer. And I'm going to take you on a journey about how we've got to this point. Matthew 21, verse 12, it says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons 
and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. So you understand the context, what has happened there, okay? The whole point of people coming to the temple was to come to a place to honor God, but people were now making money out of selling animals and selling everything, and it become a whole den of robbers. They were robbing people. And the whole point of the temple in those days and age was being totally abused. And what are the words Jesus says? My house. My house, meaning His house. Who are, who are the house of God? Okay, it's, it's not this building. This building is not the house of God. We come worship today. You are. You are the household of God. We, the living stones, make up the household of God. And he said, they're my house. This is before when he said, in three days, three days, this, he says, this temple will be destroyed, and in three days I will raise it up. They were like, come on, man. It took 40 years to build this thing, and you now are going to destroy this thing and build it in three days. Who do you think you are? But he wasn't talking about a temple. He was talking about his spirit coming back to reside in all of us to make up this new household, which he said to his disciples a few chapters before that, the ecclesia. The ecclesia, the gates, the gate, well, that whole verse about that, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said he's the order in place with these disciples. Imagine, imagine, imagine me walking in here with a whip and whipping your oaks at the Sozo stand because you're selling coffee. And I'll tip your table over. I mean, Neville, how would you feel if I did that to your beautiful Sozo stand this morning? You wouldn't be very happy with me, eh? All your money flying all over the place. Well, it snap scans. So there's no transaction anywhere. All the coffee beans and thwed out. I'm over-exaggerating now to the point. But it, it wasn't, the point of the temple wasn't for making money. It's where people could come and meet with God. See, that verse that he cites, that he cites from Isaiah 56. And Isaiah 56 verse 7 says, These, says this, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. There's a little bit of mystery being thrown into there. Isaiah, Isaiah said all these things 700 years before Jesus came. There's a lot of prophets that are saying things today, and people are going, ah, oh, please, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's, that, that's what they did to Isaiah. And they, you know what? They sawed him in half. That's how they ended his life. Because you clearly are Mr. Boat, and they didn't like the prophets because they brought the truth. 700 years. He didn't even live to see the fulfillment. There are things that have been said in the last 20 and 30 years about what God is going to do in this age that those people might not be alive today to see it. But do we say it's not true? When the prophets have spoken? Okay? And that verse, he, Jesus in Mark extends it a little more in Mark eleven seventeen, and it says, And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. What Jesus was saying in that verse, and what Isaiah was saying there, the Lord gathers the outcasts of Israel. Already it was being prophesied that the Gentiles would be brought in. 700 years before. There's no one here of Jewish descent. Anyone? Jewish descent. One, two. Okay, the rest of us, we were outcasts. We didn't have a story. We've been grafted into the story. His story is our story now because we've been grafted into that. And he's saying we'll be brought in, like the outcasts will be brought in. I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. The story goes 700 years ago. Jesus was saying, my house will be called the house of prayer for all nations. This is even before the call of the Gentiles. Acts 10 hasn't happened yet where Peter goes to Cornelius' house. Out of total like, I shouldn't be here. But anyway, okay, the Gentiles, the Gentiles have received Christ. See, the picture is so far beyond our little worlds that we live and what God is saying to us in church. And then another passage reference to this is Matthew 26, verse 40, where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is a key verse when it comes to prayer. 
So that you just got to picture yourself, again, Jesus going with the disciples, and he takes Peter, James, and John a little bit further, and he says to them, just wait here, but I'm just going to go and pray on my own. And it's that verse, I'm crying out to God, look, if, if this is your, take this cup from me, but if it's your will, it'll be done. And he prays, he's calling out. I don't know how long, he doesn't say how long he's prayed for, but then he comes back and he comes back to his disciples and says, and, and he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not just watch with me one hour? So he obviously prayed for an hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is a key verse. The spirit is indeed willing, but the, the flesh is weak. This is like most things in spiritual stuff. You're keen, but the spirit is willing, but the flesh the flesh says, ah, don't have energy, I don't have time for this. Oh, life is so busy, I'm just, oh, just going to leave it. But you are willing, but you don't do it. And he came back to his disciples three times, and they were fast on his lap. And the one version says, and they were heavy-eyed. He's like, yeah, 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 no. Like, you know, can check, yeah, no, we haven't been sleeping, yeah, no, we're fine, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, you were sleeping. But Jesus didn't condemn them, he didn't judge them. I believe that passage there, Jesus was carrying the burden of what he was walking in with such a, a weight upon him. Like, God, God, you know, take this cup. But if it's your will I, will, I will do what's required. I will go through this. The disciples weren't carrying the same burden. But when? They were in the upper room. And they, they gathered in fear of the Jews because they were scared they were going to get killed and taken out as well. What did they do? They prayed. They called on God, they worshipped, they pressed in, and that's where the, the kind of the, the beginnings of the church started in a power encounter in prayer and worship. And in that upper room, it all broke out, and the fire fell down on everybody, and their lives were changed, and they were set free. And then Peter goes out, and people 3,000 were saved and added to them, and the story goes on. You know why they could respond at that point? Is because they, they were now carrying the burden. And if we are going to walk in the stuff of prayer and the burden that's on our hearts to see our own lives, our families, our community, the church arising, it's got to be something you carry so that you can speak it and release it and believe God for it. Prayer is a journey. Prayer is not a quick fix. Prayer is relationship. Prayer is talking to somebody. It's not yakking away with your list of 10 points and say, bah, 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 done it and put it aside. And you've actually not spoken to him. You've spoken about him. Okay, it's relationship. It's not, it's, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it tell you to have a quiet time. It doesn't say go and have a quiet time. It says go into your closet, which doesn't always necessarily refer to go in and close the door and hide in a little cupboard there and pray in the dark. It's like go within, go and understand who you are and speak to the Almighty from the place of being a child. It's drawn as, a, as an heir to the throne and relationship. I'm talking to Jesus and to the Father all the time, like a decision to be made. Things to be made. I, I, I've said it to you before, you'll even like which way I drive. Okay, we're going to go this way or that way. I'm like, well, you know what traffic there is. You tell me. Let's go. I see the green line or the red line. I go green. I want to just be in touch with his voice all the time. So when I'm driving and there's something playing in the car and I'm listening and I hear this voice going across the, my, my thought, I know it's him. You get to know his voice. That's prayer. It's not a formula. It's not a thing have to do to kind of make it happen. It's relationship. If I never spoke to Kathleen, goodness me, I wouldn't get to know her. We would have a, a relationship that, that would be pointless. If we didn't talk to each other, you don't get to know the people. Just talk to the Father. So the whole thing is you've been given access to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. So you couldn't do it unless Jesus came. You would have to go through a priest. Now he's our high priest, we're all priests. We can go and stand before the Almighty God and talk to Him. You know, Andy shared something the other day when we did the men's hike, and I loved this context, that he had been on a journey with God when he was young, and it was years that he hadn't spoken to God. And he says, the first time I spoke to God, he says, I let God have it. I was like, and you! It's like, you know, you think God would be like, oh my goodness, what? God will always diffuse you, okay? He will just like soften the blow, and God's response to him was, oh, I'm so glad you're talking to me again. It's like, it just diffuses everything. It's just like, you come with your lesson, he says, are oh, you back? Hey, welcome. You're like, huh? 
Yeah, yeah, it's great to be here. It's great great to be here. He just breaks you down. Beautifully. That's how he is. That's how he's talking to him. Just talk, speak in tongues. Just go on a journey with him. It's beautiful. You see, prayer, prayer is the foundation for the church. And if we, we have to answer ourselves honestly, prayer has windled out of the, 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 well, the, the um, evangelical church. It's become a meeting that we put on the side and we hope a few people are up. Or we just do it before the church meeting so that it kind of works out. That's not it. Prayer is who we are as a people. It's the foundation of the church. And I, and I want to tell you in this next the journey we go on now, I want you to, to be aware of your own paradigms that needs to be shattered. Our fears of walking into the requirements, all things that are built up into your hearts and lives over all the years with regards to prayer. Not throwing a baby out with the bathwater, but there's a fresh season of what God's doing with us as a community as we journey this together. Okay, so what we must remind ourselves is that the church is not what it was two years ago. We're in a whole new era now. Okay, which means the requirements of us are different. It's not same old, same old, just go on with the flow and hope for the best and see what happens. No, no, it's a different era. We're in a very different time and season now, and we need to respond to God's heart in this day and this time. You see, church is not at your convenience. Gathering, being the ecclesia, it's not on your terms. I've said that so many times. This is the church arising to see the kingdom come in these days. And what's happened, you see, over this last two years, or 20 months, many of our hearts have been tested. Been tested about stuff. Tested about the goodness of God. Tested about the church. Tested about my own understanding of God. And all things are playing in our hearts and our lives. Our hearts have been tested. And testing comes because you've got questions. You've got questions in your heart. And you're trying to answer them. You're trying to find answers. And it's been a difficult season to find answers. Because it's been all over the place. But it brings you back to that center point of being a child of the living God. You see, we've suffered a lot of loss in this community. Not only, not only death, we've suffered a lot of death, and it's not all COVID either. There's this time and season what God is doing here, which we've got to understand what is, what, what is taking place here on the, in the earth in this time. He's not caught off God. We've suffered loss because people have also decided in their hearts that maybe this is not their community anymore and haven't done it very well, but the way they've lived because they had questions in their hearts. Our hearts have been tested in the season. And your depth of resolve comes to understanding who you are in Christ. Not what people can give to you and what you can get out of people, but us standing together as people of the living God. I saw a friend post something on Facebook yesterday from the States, and he was saying, explaining about, and this has come up a lot for me, there's something God's showing me here about the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And uh, what happened when they all come out of Egypt and they go through the Red Sea and they do all that they, you know, God did and Moses in the mountain, all that stuff. Then they start complaining and grumbling. Oh, we want to go back. We want to go back to where it was nice, man. We had food there. Things were great. Like, please, man. And they're grumbling and they're moaning at Moses. And his words were there on his post. He said, you see, God got them out of Egypt. But for them to get into the promised land, they needed to get Egypt out of them. And you see, and when you have change, we've all experienced a lot of change in these last 20 months. Change doesn't mean you've gone through transition. Okay, change is change. So you change from here to there. That movement to there is the transition. They were now in the desert. They had changed their location, but they were transitioning from getting Egypt out of them. See, the transition that we go through, God is transitioning the church in the season to be ready and prepared for what he's getting for. So we see there's change in the air. Now we walk out the transition and we prepare ourselves for the promised land the things that God has got in store for us. We align our hearts. We prepare ourselves for what God has got in store for us. Okay? So if we're honest and we evaluate the last 20 months and we look at, say, just the babe. Yes, we had so many opportunities. We were able to help so many different people. The incredible things have played out. God has been faithful to us. We continue to see it. But if we're going to be very honest with ourselves, the one area this community lacked was the connection on a smaller level. We, re, we, we rely on the Sunday to make us feel connected. Okay? And this is what I'm sharing to you is part of the why we need to understand because this is what God has got in store for us of what we're walking into. 
we were, we were a bit disconnected on the smaller scale. Okay, and I'll explain to you why. Because we were all individuals looking for the corporate. See, I was connected. I've got eldership team, there's core leaders, we were all talking with each other. But I know many of you were disconnected. Because you didn't have a link to this community through people. I'm not just, I'm not your one link. Okay, it's us together. Okay, and we need to learn. We need to learn from the season. We can't now look back and go, ah, oh, well, that wasn't too bad. Let's just keep going and keep it the way it was. No, we've got to learn from that. If you don't learn from your mistakes, you just keep making them over and over again. You don't learn through your shortfalls, you keep making them over and over again. Church is not just a Sunday morning meeting. It's beyond the Sunday. Two things. If it is just about the Sunday for you, you're missing out on the big picture. Okay, if, if it's all just to get you, whew, have a fill up my tank, Lord, and then you go out for the week, you've missed the whole point of Kononia. You've missed the whole point of being together. Okay? Firstly, you're missing out on the full meaning. Secondly, that's not what Jesus had in mind when he thought about the church, that you do your attendance thing once a week. It's what you live for. It's who you are every day of the week, every breathing hour on this earth. That's what the church is. And you know what's starting to happen now more and more? Is that the believers and people of God that stand with integrity and have this revolution of righteousness and justice is that coming up into his life. Alex, Alex, what did you do, bro? Made her cry. He made his daughter cry and stuff. Okay. But what, what, we, are, what we are, sure, I lost my track of thought there. But anyway, anyway. The, Thank you. But my dad, what always can see what comes to mind there when a baby cries in the meeting is my dad always used to say, he says, babies are like New Year's resolutions. You should carry them out. <laughs> uh, so that, that always comes to mind every time. I'm like, don't stick to the point, stick to the point. Right. Revolution of righteousness and justice that's taking place. What we are finding is we are wanting to stick with those that we're not going to argue about stuff. We're going to stand together and believe on stuff. That's what's starting to happen. The walls of division of, de of denominational kind of breakdowns are going to break down in the season because we're going to have to stand together. The church in Cape Town is, have to, is going to have to be united to stand up to the front of what the enemy is going to just keep rolling out through ideologies, through the system of the world all the time. We're going to stand up to it. And I'm already starting to see it. People are going, no, we're not doing that anymore. It will not happen like that here. I'm sorry. These are the standards we live by, and that's what we stand by. If you don't want to stand by our standard, do what you need to do, but we're not bowing. That's what's happening in the world. Okay? And if I reflect on the Bay over the last 28 years, okay, we've had good seasons, we've had tough seasons, and we're still standing, and we're still here. After all this time, but over the last eight years that Kathleen and I have been leading this community with a team of people that we stand with now, okay, the one area that I always felt I never got clarity on, and the elders can vouch for this, that we've spoken about it for years, is the reality of home groups, life groups, family fellowships, living unity groups. I've had all the names, whatever you want to call them, okay? I've never found clarity on what this thing would look like. Because I firmly believed there was something new God was doing. And I couldn't see it yet. And it was very frustrating. Because people would come to be part of the band and say, Hey, is there a home group in my area? I'm like, oh no, they asked that question. <laughs> no, we, we don't have home groups or life groups at the moment. And I didn't have an answer. But in January this year, God downloaded to me. And as an eldership, we spoke about this. God has given us the answer to what it looks like. And I'm just going to hold it there, and I'll tell you about more of it next time, okay? But there's an answer to that reality of us learning to connect on that smaller kind of scale. Because unfortunately for me, and if I'm very honest to you, we did have some home groups. There weren't none. I'm leading this church community. I'm sitting in the home group, and I'm going, this is wasting my time. I'm not feeling life in this thing. Oh, God, I'm, I lead this church community. I'm not even believing in this meeting. Because there was something fresh. There was something fresh that God wanted to do. I'm not saying they're wrong, okay? I'm just saying something new that God's mandating to us as a people to kind of go on. Because unfortunately, life groups, home groups, whatever you call them, be have become more social. So we gather around tea and scones. 
instead of actually coming to pray and to come together to actually hear the word of God. Not a soapbox for someone to preach what they want to preach, but as a community, we take the teachings and we walk together with what God is doing for us. There's something fresh and there's something new ahead of us. That's why I break all your paradigms of prayer and all home groups and life groups and how all that is, God's got something new for us in store. Okay? And as I say, we've journeyed, I've carried this, honestly, for nearly eight years in my heart. And I know I can hear the voice of God, but He was just saying, not now, just wait. And to wait when you don't have an answer is tough. Okay? Because a lot of the stuff that we did there became duty over delight. Okay? And over the years, when it comes to the thing of prayer, we've tried many different things. Who remembers the 360 project? This is a test to see whether it worked. Who remembers the 360 project we tried to launch? See? No one. Are you waving at me like you remember? Yeah, there's one, one person. No one remembers. Why? Because it wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't, it wasn't what, what he had set us in order. Yes, it was, oh, you, the church needs to pray. It's not a program. You don't add a program to pray. It's who we are as people. So we tried the 360 project. The 360 project, or it was called the 720 project. See, I don't even remember the flipping name. How's this? Like? <laughs> I was the bright spark in the elders meeting. I've got it. 720 project. They're basically 720 hours in a month. And we were going to fill all 720 and we, you know, then what it looks like is then, so when do you guys pray? We pray all month when people ask you about your church. <laughs> all month is covered. Wow. And you, you push people with a program, and then with a program, you've got to prop it up. Okay, well, okay, we're not, not someone filling that hour. What are you going to do? Okay, someone needs to fill that hour. No, because it's got to come from a heart thing. It's got to come from a revelation of understanding of who we are, not what we do. Okay? The seven, 720 project. Then we had... Uh, uh, we other things here. We had, I, I saw it on my computer, like a, a, a sheet of, we had houses of prayer. That was 2015. 2017, we had houses of prayer. And I look at some of those guys now, they're not around. Some of those guys are even dead now, who were opening their houses to prayer. I'm like, things move on, eh? You're like, yeah, we're going to pray. And hardly anyone actually went to anyone's homes to pray. And I was like, oh, you see this thing? What is it, man? God, come on, we're trying. Prayer's not bad. What's the answer to this? And then during lockdown, we had like, you know, seven days on the wall. So we'd all take our turns. A certain days, all the leaders were praying. So at least we knew we were praying and standing. And it still didn't satisfy me. I was like, there's something more here. It's not just a meeting. It's not a program we're going to try and prop up so that it all looks impressive. And people ask, you know, you're clever pastors. Clever pastors, when they come and they ask you about your church, they ask you, when do you have your prayer meeting? And I'm like, I can see what you're trying to do there. Because they all know, like, if your church is not praying, then you're just having meetings. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got to ask with the right heart. Some of them didn't ask with the right heart. They're trying to catch you out because in their church, well, our prayer meeting, uh, everyone attends. I'm like, oh, God, please help me. <laughs> but we want to something here. I can promise you this. Okay. And the journey has been, for me, an unraveling and, a, and an experience of understanding something right from 2010. When I, you remember the burn? Okay, that I was part of the burn. And every month I'd stand there and go, guys, we're gathering as the burn. We're going to worship through the night. All super excited, and then no one came. I mean, some of you did, and you were kind of a part of it, but it wasn't really a community carrying it. And I learned. I just, God put me on a train to learn in that season. And we plugged and we went for stuff. Then the grace ran out. And I didn't have the energy to do this anymore. And I'm like, God, why? I love it. The seasons were changing, and I had to let things go. I had to embrace new things. And you, you see, you go on journeys with God where you don't have all the answers straight away. You've got to believe in and trust Him along the way. We are being saved. You are working out your salvation. Okay, that's what Paul says in the Word. And we journey with God. And that's why when you speak to someone that's read the Bible for 50 years of their life, there's an assurance about them. Because they haven't just started. They know this understanding of what God's called them to be and walk into, okay? And I often looked at different scenarios, and I see all these young students in other places around the world. They've got these prayer rooms and prayer houses, and they're doing it all. I'm like, well, God, how is this going to happen with people that have got busy jobs, busy lives, not just wasting their life away doing, you know, random stuff, and they can always commit to everything because they've got all the time in the world. What about people that have got busy lives? What about people that have got young kids? 
how it's going to fall into us because we don't want a 30% or 35% buy-in and then we go, yeah, it's doing really well. It's not, it's failing. I remember I wasn't good at school, 35% was fail. I know because I was there. Okay? But what about all of us? What about all of us to be involved in something? And I kept that in my heart. There's got to be something. It's got to be something God has shown us. And I'm prying your heart here to draw us into stuff. You see? And uh, like, like Habakkuk, I want to read this verse to us this morning from Habakkuk 2 verse 1. And it says this in Habakkuk 2 verse 1, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And I'll pull out four things from there now. But it says, and the Lord answered me. And he's talking to Habakkuk. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie, not meaning lie down. It won't be false. It won't lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous, listen to how it's the phrasing here, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Not by their faith, not by my faith, his faith. So there's four things there in that passage. He says, I will take my stand. What have we learned to be in this, era, in this time? To stand. Just to stand firm. To stand strong. The second thing he says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself. We need to be positioned in this hour. We need to align ourselves with the, what God is doing. So we keep saying that align your hearts to what God is doing here. That is positioning yourself to be at the right place so that when you look out, okay, what's the next part he says there? He says, on my watch, on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me. How can you look what someone will say? It means that your eyes of your spirit are open and alert to what God is saying to us in this day, in this hour. So you are watching. Watch and pray, Jesus said. You are watching with your eyes. You are watching what the Spirit is doing. You are awake in this day. When we say the Ecclesia is awakening, it's not that more people are arriving and waking up to go to church. We are awakening to what's going on around us in the spiritual realm. Wait a second. The enemy's had a hold in this nation for too long. No. Come on, people. Let's arise with righteousness and justice. See that? We're awake. Then the army goes, yeah, look, at, hey, look how many there are of us. Watch and pray. You are open to see. Not hearing other voices. You're hearing the voice of God speaking to you, directing you which way you need to go. And then, he's, you know, and then at last, but he says there, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Meaning, what he will say to God when he hears God speak. Okay, that's important that you are agreeing and say, yes, Lord, I hear you. The reality with Habakkuk's response there is that he didn't actually hear what he wanted to hear. He was calling on God saying, you know, deliver Israel. Help Israel. Israel are clearly worshipping other gods, all the realities that was playing out there. And God, you know what God's response to Habakkuk was? I'm going to send you to the Babylonians for 70 years. Like, really? God, why would you do that? He had to hear what God's response was. See, if three years ago we had said, God, awaken the church. He says, Okay, I'm going to use the biggest unraveling of a thing around the world that's called COVID, and I'm going to unravel everything in that time and this hour, and I'm going to wake the church, but it's going to be hard for you. Would you have taken it on and said, oh, no, God, we don't want to hard and tough. Just make it easy for us. You see what this last three years have done? This priming, the last two years, more of it. God's using this time. Are you awake? Are you hearing what the Spirit is saying to us and showing to us in this time as you align your hearts? in this day and in this hour. And see, what God has been speaking to me about is that He showed me in January this thing about prayer, but the cycles of the Bay Church has been through seven-year cycles over the last 28 years. And each cycle, a significant thing took place. As I reflected and looked back, I was like, wow, so, yeah, on the 10th of October, 2021, 
None of you even realized this really, but we walked into very quietly our fifth seven-year cycle. And God's saying for us. And I know it's, it's seven, the biblical, I'm not looking for all that biblical stuff. God said to me, seven years. Every seven years, something happens in this community. So when we were planted in 1993, on the 10th of October, that first seven years, my folks had a heart to establish a community that would taste of the freedom of the power of the Spirit. And for seven years, that first seven years, this community was planted in the Spirit. And heaven recognized this group of people, a microcosm of the bigger ecclesia around the nations of the world. These people have gathered to meet with me. Okay? Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Then in October 2000, we entered into our second seven-year cycle. Within that seven-year cycle, God miraculously provided this building for us. where It's now worth about 20 million rand with all the parking lots and all the buildings, and we owe nothing on it. God provided for us a miracle far beyond that we could even been clever enough to try and work out and make happen. Happened in the second cycle. He planted us in this community, right position next to Capricorn. He knew exactly what he was doing. But we were just going along faithfully. Not really kind of seeing the bigger picture necessarily. We were just doing what God has called us to do. And then October 2007 rolls around. And in that cycle, God establishes and he sends Anton Alarm to us. And the producing and the setting in order of, what's, of Sozo got set in order. Look at the influence Sozo has given this community into Freigrund and in the city with the regards to what the government is doing. God's not like just wasting time and going, oh, well, okay, that'll be a good thing to do. It was part of the story for this community to walk in. Now, when you look back, you can kind of see, oh, wow, God, God knew what he was doing. It's a bit of like a, like a contradiction, that term. Of course he does. Okay. October 2007, there was a lot of changes in the apostolic around the world around that time and that season. Okay, October 2014, okay, that period and that season, Kathleen and I, a few months before that, we walked into, took over leadership in February 2014, and we walked into this new cycle as the leaders of this community. There was a change of, of leadership, which I don't believe heaven looks at just a oh, new guy. It, the mantle gets passed on from one to another, to take this community on for all that God has got in store for it. It's not a job for me. I don't, I don't take the employment. Say, oh, okay, cool, I'll take the job. No, this was from a 15-year-old walking into the calling, what God has called me to walk into. Now we're walking in the fulfillment of it. I have absolute joy and love. No matter what goes on, we walk into this. So we also changed the name of the church in 2017 from Bay Community Church to Bay City Church. So in the fourth cycle, there was a lot happening of what God was setting in order for the new, what he's got in store for us. And in all of that, in 2019, Siakula was birthed. The fourth cycle was a busy one. There was lots on the go. And if you read through the Bible, it's not action every single day. It's not action every single day. It's God speaking, people being faithful. He plays it out. You read through the Bible over and over again. It's just faithfully, faithfully. You know that the disciples, they were around Jesus in AD 20. 7 to AD 30, more or less around about that time. Do you know they only wrote the books in like AD 60, AD 50, 20, 30 years later? It's, see the time. You know, you all look at it and I go, wow, you know, must have sat and all co co collaborated together and write. No, time, time went by. And then we sit with the fruit of people's faithfulness that went before us. You think that you're sitting here being faithful for someone that's going to be coming behind you? I hope so. <laughs> There's a generation arising. My young little one, 13-year-old, she's starting to feel the things of God in her heart and life. She's They're the future for this community. And Matt's heart burns with the youngsters, with our youth to be understanding and stuff, shoes and these kind of guys that are arising in this day, in this hour. And then from 20, that area that we got a prophecy in July 2019, the three vats were established. And God showed us through a prophetic word what he's doing with these three vats, the bay, Sosa, Siakula, and it's this framework to this community, what he's got. I want to tell you now that what God showed us regards prayer is what is required for us in this next cycle. God has said, this is what I want to see established in this next seven-year cycle. And that's, you're going to hear it a lot. Because if God speaks to us, if God instructs us to do something, you better believe we have to hear his voice. 
we will not choose our own way. We will hear his voice speaking to us. You see, and what's happened over the last years, the foundations have been laid on what was built here, but we've gone wider and we've gone deeper to establish what God has got for us. And when we gathered as leaders in February, and I shared this with the leaders about what God is saying to us as a community, I saw like building structures starting to take place. And you know, often buildings, when you build concrete pillars, they're like cladded with different kind of boards and all the kind of stuff to drop the concrete in. And I started seeing that structure starting to take place in the spiritual realm. And God's, yes, the foundation has been laid for this community. And now God wants to build upon what we have labored for for years. And the key with this next season of building what God wants to build, not what we want, what He wants to build is prayer. Because He said, my house, not this building, okay, not this building, your hearts, the altars of your hearts aligned to this community. He's saying, my house, you people, the household of God, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Not a house of good preaching, not a house of good coffee, not a house of incredible entertainment, a house of prayer for all nations that would be drawn to him. We are the all nations that have now come together, the Gentiles added and grafted into the story of what God has set in place. Okay? We've got to recognize the time we live in. We've got to recognize. We can't just go, well, that sounds great for you guys. You're a part of it. You have a part to play. What God is speaking and saying to us um, going forward. So essentially, what I wrote here is the bay has stepped into adulthood. 28, it's like a real move into adulthood. 21 is like coming out of the house. You've got your key for life. You're going to learn about life. Now you're walking into adulthood. Okay, let's just refresh this again. So why? Why pray? Why? Okay. There's, the, there's powers that I've said here which God is going to unroot for us regards the origins of the church, of what he has wanted it from the very beginning. Why? Because Jesus said it. My house will be called the house of prayer. Why? Because God has spoken to us and we obey his voice. We don't hear the voice of men. I don't hear the voice of opinions of people. What we should be doing, I hear his voice. And as an eldership, we listen to his voice because God has spoken to us. Why? Because prayer is not just an individual thing. Do you know, and I'll share this more maybe next week, there's more context in the New Testament of corporate prayer than individual prayer. By a far way. The world today has sold us the individual story. Go home, go pray, self-made millionaire, all that stuff. It's all about individuals. Individuals. The church is about corporate. It's all about togetherness, how that looks and works. And I know in your minds you're going, Okay, he's going to set a prayer meeting at 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning now, and he's going to want us all to come to that prayer meeting. I don't know how this is going to work. Break your paradigms. Break your paradigms. I'm, going to just, I'm just leaving it there for you because you must come back next week, and I'm going to tell you more. Okay? And honestly, I'm so strong about this. I nearly WhatsApped everybody on the church thing and said, you need to be here on Sunday. You need to listen to what God's saying to us. I'm going to literally send that out, either today or tomorrow, and tell people, if you haven't listened to this word, you need to listen. Because this is what God is saying to us. This is not my church. This is not my gathering. It's not, uh, when people say to me, like I've said a hundred times, where's your church? I'm like, I always want to say, it's not mine. It's Jesus's. Okay, it's his church. He's building it. We need to be obedient to his voice and listen to it. Why is prayer, it's more a, a, a corporate thing than an individual thing. Why? Because prayer is the foundations of the church. I just want to finish up with the last few quotes here. Okay. So for 28 years, this church community has been pressing into the presence of God. You've got to now think and understand what has been established in the heavenly realms. See, you all have an altar of your heart of honor and worship to God. And on that altar, you, you lay your life down before Him. You lay things down. You come and it strengthens you. It builds you up in the things of God in your heart and your life. In the spiritual realm, what has taken place over this community by us worshiping and honoring His presence that establishes that the heavenly sea, wait, this is the ecclesia, these are powerful, that through the church the manifold wisdom of God is made known to who? The rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. That's not going to come from eloquent preaching. 
It's going to come from the power of the people of God through the Spirit of God declaring to the heavenlies, our God, Jesus, the Almighty, reigns. Demons, listen. Strongholds, listen. There's a king who is higher in order than you. You've controlled nations. You've set things in place, but there's a king who's higher. And a people are starting to tear those things down in the spiritual realm. So then it plays out in the natural. And we start seeing breakthrough. See, why, why have we been under pressure in the last two years? Because the activity in the spiritual realm has been intense. Intense. We felt under pressure. There's a lot of things pressing in on us. There's, there's chaos around the nations that's playing out in governments, that's playing out in certain environments. Stand firm, folks, stand strong. The unraveling is starting to happen. The exposing's rolling out more and more. And who comes strong at the end? The ecclesia. We're the ones that hold firm and hold out. Because we've won in the end. But we've got to be faithful now. Okay? See, the, the whole idea of Leviticus 6.13 speaks about continually putting flames and, and keeping the fire on the altar burning. That's our desire. Yeah, it's two minutes, guys, and I'm done. Okay? The desire is we continually place coals, in a sense, in the spiritual altar that his presence is continually honored as a community. Now you're thinking, Reef, he's not thinking Sunday, 6 o'clock. He's thinking 24-7, yeah. Okay? Break your paradigms. Break them, okay? There's a different way God is showing us here and how we go forward with this. People don't come into a building. You don't come when you walk in here into this building to join this church or be part of the church. You walk into a community. That's what it is, a cornonia. You join and fellowship with people that are, oh, wow, these people really love God. It feels like home here. Wow, it's not the building that makes you feel comfortable. It's the people. Amen. Okay, and God is going to fight for us. Just a few more verses here. Okay, when we press into these things of God and we're confident what he's saying to us, it does cost us. Nothing with the Lord comes cheap. Because why? He tests your heart. He tests how much you want it. And if you've had promises over your heart and life, the last two years they've been tested. And you think like, God, really? Are you really going to do that? It doesn't feel like it. It's so far away. He's testing your heart. You get to that day when you just go, No. God, you said this. I firmly believe it. It doesn't look like it. I can't feel it, but I know you've said it. And he's like, there you go. See, your heart's firm. It's strong. Been tested. 2 Chronicles 20, 17 says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. The Lord is with us. And we are going to take on things that are going to come up against us, we're going to take them on. Just a few quotes here, quickly. Jim Simbala, in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, is quoted saying this, you can tell how popular a church is uh, who comes on a Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor or the evangelist is about who comes on Sunday night, the outreach meeting, or the midweek meeting, where we have that midweek. But you can tell how popular Jesus is is by who comes to the prayer meeting. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Michael Eaton always used to say, passed away a couple of years ago. He's preached here before, years ago, 2008, I think it was. Incredible man, I love him. He says, Michael Eaton always used to say, the size of your church is the size of your prayer meeting. Because the foundations of the church are prayer, not meetings. Okay, it involves the teaching of the word, involves breaking of bread, it involves together, but prayer. Okay. So remember what lies ahead of us. I just want to quote something here. Okay, and I'll finish with this. We are playing our part in history. Who knows, in 20 years' time, 21 years' time, another three cycles have gone from this community. Some of us won't be here. What are you doing now, ensuring that who's coming will be flying and running with what we set in place? Don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant and not give it to today. Carpe diem. What's that? Seize the day. Seize the moment. Okay? What we don't see, we don't see it now, but looking back, we will see everything. So if you look back over 28 years of the bay, when you look back, you're like, Wow, in the moment we didn't realize it, but God was doing something, setting an order for us, okay? You shape history. 
okay, and you lay the platform for one to come again. Don't be short-sighted. The reality for this community, our heritage, lies all the way back into 1981 into Weinberg Baptist Church. All the way back there. It started with a man stepping out and saying, I want to go off the things of the Spirit. And from that church community, they gathered called the Vineyard Fellowship, became Jubilee. Out of Jubilee, we planted in 1993. Okay? You see where it all starts? With one person saying, I'm going after the things of God. Are you going to be that one person to say, God, in this day, in this hour, we're going to go after what you're saying to us and pursue what you build into us? Because in 21 years' time, you will see the fruit of obedience to what God is saying. Come on, what's that old line? I think it's a gladiator. What we do today echoes into eternity. It's beyond this earth too, your faithfulness. It's what God is building to us now in this community and stuff. So let's stand together. And I'll share with you more next week. That was just a taster of why we're going to press into this. Next week we'll go into the how and the what and how it all looks like. So, Father, we thank you for your heart for us. Jesus, we thank you for the powerful words that you declared that now 2,000 years ago, those words are still echoing through society, echoing through the churches. My house will be called a house of prayer. I thank you, Lord, that you are not calling us to another program. I thank you that you're not calling us to more time now. We've got to run around after this church activity. No, you are calling us as the ecclesia to position ourselves to stand and watch, and to be awake in this hour. And I pray over every heart of us here, Lord Jesus, that we prepare us for all that you've got in store for us. We thank you that we can look back over 28 years and see your faithful hand lead us and guide us. What do the next 28 years hold for us? You know, and Lord, we hear your voice. We walk into all that you've got for us. And we say in our hearts today, we give ourselves to you. We give ourselves to your plans and your purposes. And we align ourselves with what you're doing and saying as we stand together with this community for all that you've got in store for us. And we bless you today by the power of his mighty name, Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. I encourage you. I'm going to send this out for next week. Be and listen. God's got more in store for us. Amen.